Today's message was recorded for April 29th, 2020 by Dean Elders. The title of the message is The Holy Spirit, Part 4. I'd like to welcome you again to Central Park Neighborhood Church, where we are taking on the subject of the Holy Spirit. Last week, we were looking at the person of the Holy Spirit, and we'll just take a moment or two here to uh, take a little bit of refresher. I always like to refresh a little bit and uh, remind us of where we've been so we can take from where we've been and build on it and continue on uh, building on the subject of knowing the Holy Spirit. Uh, last week, we looking at the person of the Holy Spirit, and we said that we can fellowship with this person of the Holy Spirit. We talked and taught that he doesn't have a body like we see with Jesus. He's a spirit. And so sometimes it's hard to relate to the spirit being a spirit with no body, nothing to see. But uh, he is a spirit, and because he is God, he has he is a person, and he has a personality. And we can look in the scriptures, and we can relate to that, and we can grow in our knowledge of him, and we can fellowship with him just like we would any other person. So in Philippians chapter 2 verse 1, it simply says this, if, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies. So fellowship, it's a partnership. It's, it's a participation. Fellowship is is uh, not a lecture, but fellowship is a participation. It's the one, both parties are talking, both parties are listening, both parties are communicating and sharing hearts and feelings and, and answers to life, if I could say it that way. So we are to fellowship with this person of the Holy Spirit. And when we consider him as a person of the Holy Spirit, we find that he in the scripture you're going to find that there are about eight different characteristics that reveal his personhood. Uh, number one we, we considered was the fact that he has a mind. In Romans 8, 27, he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit has a mind. And not only does he have a mind, the Bible also says, number two, he has a will. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11, but all these worketh that one and self-same spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. That's speaking of the manifestation gifts, prophecy, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, and so on. The nine different gifts, it is they are distributed in the body of Christ, and they are manifested and used according to his will. And so we find that he chooses. He has a definite purpose. He has a definite uh, thought process and will for our lives. And he exercises his will in not only exercising his will, but it is, it is to enable us to minister. It is to enable us to do the very works that the Spirit of God wants us to do. So he has a will. That's the second thing. The third thing we find is that he has knowledge. 1 Corinthians two ten through 11 we looked at this, but God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of man, save the Spirit of man which is in him. Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. So we find that the Spirit of God has knowledge. 
the next point that we talked about and considered was the fact that the Spirit of God, uh, he has emotion. We looked at the subject of love in Romans fifteen thirty. I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit. And we, we considered not only that verse, but we looked at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, where it gives us a very explicit meaning of the word of love. And uh, I'll read it out of the Amplified. It says, Love endures long, it's patient, it's kind, never is never envious, nor boils up over with jealousy. It's not boastful or vainglorious. It does not display itself haughtily. It's not conceited. It's not rude. It does not act unbecomingly. But God's love in us does not insist on its own rights, its own way. And he goes on and says many tremendous, wonderful things about the love of God. And he finishes that portion up. He says, love never fails. It never fails. I really like that. You know, that's a constant. God's love never fails. And the verse before that, it says, it bears up under anything. It and in everything that comes. It's ready to believe the best in every person. Its hopes are faithless. Under all circumstances, all circumstances, the love of God is there. It doesn't fail us. And many times there are many emotional things, many difficult things that we go through, many challenges in life, many challenges in families, many stressful times. Even now we are experiencing stressful times, but the love of God never fails. He's there. He loves us. And in that love, there is strong commitment, strong passion, strong feeling. And so the person of the Holy Spirit is one who is very strong in his, in his, well, what should I say? His, not only his love, but his acts and will for our life. Very strong person. So he's emotional. Uh, the, the Word of God says in Ephesians 4.29, it says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit. And that's talking about talking uh, about one another. He's telling us to uh, edify and build up one another. He's talking to us about letting our words minister grace or God's ability to encourage and build up another person. And when we do not do that, the Bible says, that the Spirit of God is greed. And the word grief means sadness, to feel sadness. So he experiences and knows uh, our feeling. Uh, he understands those things, and he is a person himself. And so uh, I thank God that we have a God that he can readily identify with us. He readily knows us. Not only does he know how many hair we have on our head, he knows our thoughts. He knows our beginning. He knows our end. He knows everything there is to know about us. He's intricately involved in our life, and he is intricately involved in the person of who we are. And so he wants us to fellowship with him. He wants us to know him. And in knowing him, we really get to know ourselves better because we know what God is going to do and how he's going to work in our life and, and our purpose in life. So consequently, he is a he is uh, and has a man emotion or he has feeling. Tremendous, tremendous. I like this one. He intercedes and prays for the saints. Romans eight twenty six. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But he says, the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings 
which cannot be uttered. And he searches the hearts and knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit. There it is, the mind of the Spirit. Because he maketh intercession for the saints, how? According to the will of God. So we find that the Holy Spirit is, is I'll say it this way, he is a person of prayer. He intercedes. He, he, he walks alongside. He hits along people and walks alongside. And, and the prayer that is being offered moves us into the purpose of God, moves us into the way that we should go because it's intercessory prayer. So the Holy Spirit as a person is a person of prayer. And does not the Word of God uh, encourage us? It tells us to pray for one another. It tells us, when we read in the Scriptures uh, about the early church, how the early church would gather and pray. I'm reminded of once when Peter was in prison. And the Bible talks about the church uh, was gathered together and they were praying. And the Lord came and sent an angel and, and got Peter out of the prison situation. He comes to the house where they were praying and knocks on the door. Rhoda comes to the door. Well, Peter's out here. Well, they didn't believe it. Even though they were believing God in prayer and asking God to move in his life, God delivered him. There he was. Well, that's the power of prayer. And the Holy Spirit is one, amen, who prays for us and leads us and directs us into the will of God. So as a person, he's a person of prayer. We also looked at the Holy Spirit uh, is one... um, who doesn't have any vocal cords, he has no tongue or lips, yet he speaks. He speaks. The Spirit of the Lord fell upon me, Ezekiel says, and said to me, he tells him now, you speak. This is what you're to speak. Thus saith the Lord. Thus have you said, O house of Israel, for I know the things that have come into your mind, every one of them. And so we find that the Spirit of God can speak to us because his spirit is not tied to natural man and natural abilities. It is supernatural ability that he has to communicate with us in our minds and in our spirit. Uh, Matthew chapter 10, verse 20, For it is not you that speak, but your Father which speaketh in you. So he speaks. I like what Revelation says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. So the Spirit of God is constantly communicating, constantly talking to us, constantly relating to us, I believe, more than what we recognize many times because we think it's our own thoughts. In John 16, 13, Howbeit, when the Spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of himself, but whatsoever he hears, that's what he is going to speak. So not only does he speak, but he hears. So he has the ability to listen. He has the ability to listen to your your prayer. He has the ability to listen to the very thoughts of your heart, the very thoughts deep in the deep recesses of your heart and your mind. He can hear and he can speak to you and he can relate to you. So now that we have just refreshed ourselves once again about the person of the Holy Spirit, um, we know that the Godhead is in heaven and we know that Jesus came to the earth At the appointed time, in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, it says, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that they might receive the adoption of sons. So we find in the process of time, God sent forth Jesus. He came, he walked as a man, he was the Son of God. We related to him. And in Jesus' teaching, he would teach his disciples uh, things that were to come to pass, 
things that they had uh, many difficult times understanding. Um, they weren't understanding exactly what he was saying. Sometimes some of these things would, would weigh them down, and uh, they didn't want to hear what they were hearing. But nonetheless, um, that's what he did. And one of the statements that Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 7, we'll read it. John 16, 7 says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away, for if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you, but if I depart, he says, if I depart, I will send him unto you. And who is the Comforter? The Comforter is the Holy Spirit. So Jesus came, he did his uh, uh, time on the earth, walked approximately 33 some years, and he fulfilled the purpose for him coming, he died on the cross for our sins. He brought man back into relationship with God. And then he said, I'm going to go away, but I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm not going to leave you as orphans, but I'm going to send the comforter unto you. And what did he do? He left and he said in Luke chapter 24, verse 49, he says, wait in Jerusalem until the promise of the father comes. So they were in Jerusalem in the upper room, approximately 120 of them, according to Acts chapter 1 and 2, they were there in an attitude of prayer. And in chapter 2, verse 1, on the day of Pentecost, uh, suddenly there was a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled all the house where they were sitting, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit gave them uh, uh, languages, gave them tongues, uh, that uh, they they... They knew that something supernatural had taken place in their life. What was that supernatural that had taken place? The Holy Spirit had came. Not only had he come, but he came and he filled their life. So we see that the Jesus leaves, but the Comforter comes. And the Comforter is to come and to dwell within us. That Spirit, the Holy Spirit, that person that we've been talking about with all of his characteristics. He comes to live and dwell in each one of us. And so let's read a scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. It says, Know you not that you are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God does what? Dwells in you. He dwells in you. He dwells in you. 2 Corinthians six sixteen. And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. We are the temple of the living God. Today, if you're saved, if filled with the Spirit of God, you are the temple of God, and the Spirit of God lives within you. That person of the Spirit is living within you. Our bodies, then, are the temple. That's where He abides. He abides uh, in your body. I abide in my body. You abide in your body. You have someone else living in this body with you. And when he says, I will come and dwell in you, he's really saying, I'm going to occupy a house. He said, I'm going to reside. Not only is he going to reside, but it's by implication to cohabit. Cohabit means there's two individuals living under the same roof. When you get married, uh, you have two people coming together, learning to live and dwell together. Marriage is a process. The same thing with the Holy Spirit. When he comes to live within you, there are some things that we need to adjust. There's things that we need to understand that he's living there. And uh, that's going to cause some things to be a little bit different for us. What do I mean by that? I mean this. There's a personality. The personality, the Holy Spirit is in you. 
And because he is a personality and because the Spirit wants to manifest himself through your life to others, you're going to find that he's going to speak to you. He's going to give you directions. He's going to come to you and he's going to show you things that he wants to do through your life. And when he does that, he's going to speak to your mind. He's going to give you thoughts. He's going to give you what you need to go and fulfill the thing that the Spirit of God wants to do. And the challenge comes as many times as the Spirit of God speaks, and we have a difficult time. Uh, that, that really isn't God speaking to me. That's my own mind. That, that, that's my own thoughts. When in reality, the one mind, this is the challenge. We have one mind. You speak through it. You get thoughts through it. And the Holy Spirit speaks to your mind. So there's a couple of voices that's, that's coming to your mind. And you must be able to discern the Lord's voice from your own. And you must not only be able to discern, but you must be able to be obedient to what the Spirit of God tells you to do. Uh, I, I give this illustration. There was a young lady that was on the bus going to school one morning. And as she was on her way, the Spirit of God spoke to her and told her to get off the bus. Now, she didn't know why she was supposed to get off the bus. She struggled with that, get off the bus. But at the next stop, she got off the bus. And when she got off the bus, she looked up the alley because the bus stopped close to an alley. The Spirit of God told her to go up the alley. And when she did that, there was a man laying in the alley who basically uh, something had drastic had happened to him. He was laying there and he was no longer here. The Spirit of God told her, you pray over this body. And when she did, this man was saved. He was brought back to life. How did that happen? It's because God spoke to her. She began to act out of obedience. And she did. And she went and accomplished what God wanted to do. And believe me, you, there was struggle in her mind to do that. That's where faith has to come in. You can't do anything without faith. And so consequently, she acted on faith, on the voice that she heard. And when she did that, the results was a man was saved. His life was saved that day because of her obedience. And I would like to challenge each one of us as you're listening to me talk and share with you about the Word of God. God will speak to you. God will give you things. God will challenge you. Uh, don't hesitate. Uh, don't don't uh, say, well, and, and put in this great wrestling match, but... Begin to move out in faith and see God move and see God uh, do wonderful things through your life. That's how he does it. And and so that's an area of growth. Why is it growth? It's because there's two persons that are cohabiting and they're learning to live together. We have to grow in our relationship with him, grow in our knowing of his mind and of his voice. Uh, and what does his voice sound like? It sounds just like your own thoughts. But it's when you have to discern and you have to learn how to know the voice of the Lord. Just a simple point here. The voice of the Lord is never going to tell you to do something that's contrary to the Word of God. He will always speak uh, in principles or give you a scripture, a thought from the Word of God. That's one of the key uh, thoughts, knowing the voice of God. So today... I want to just challenge you, the person that's living inside of you and that you are the temple, listen, learn to know his voice, learn to listen to him, and learn to be obedient to him because he wants to flow through your life to minister to people. He's in the people business. He's in the people business. He wants to touch lives and, and he will use you to do so. 
So we are the temple of God. We are the temple of God. And so he lives and he abides in us. And uh, I'll just, I'll read just a couple more scriptures here. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16 through 21, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, being rooted and grounded in love, that you may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, length, the depth, and height, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. Well, he's dwelling there. And so when he, this is word dwell in this particular portion of scripture, is the fact that to house permanently. We said he cohabits. He comes and he, he dwells within us. This one means to house permanently. The Spirit of God that is within you, it is a permanent uh, uh, situation. He never leave us. He will not forsake us. But throughout eternity, the Spirit of God will be with us. This is an eternal action that you are you are partaking of today. It's an eternal something that's not just a temporal thing, but it is something that is eternal. You have the, the God of heaven. You have the Spirit of the mighty God. You have Him coming, the person of the Spirit living in you, the eternal being that moves in supernatural ways, living inside of you. So He's going to come, and He's going to be there permanently, reside. Um, each one of us, when you go home, there are certain things in your home that you like. There, there has, It has your touch to it. You may have your favorite chair. You're tired. You sit down. You might push the button and the, and the footstool kind of comes up and the back goes up and the first thing you know, you're asleep. Why is it? It's your house. It's something that you enjoy. Well, when the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, uh, he's going to reside there permanently. It's his home. And so consequently, we need to learn, uh, amen, to dwell together and what the Spirit of God loves and what He likes, it's something that brings peace to us. It brings joy to us. It brings fulfillment to us. So learn to live, amen, with this one that comes to inhabit your life. Can you say amen to that? Yes, amen it is. He comes to abide, comes to abide. The Spirit of God, amen, as, as this person comes into our hearts and into our lives, you're going to find that, that there are many things that, uh, I'm going to use this word, benefits to us. Because he's inside of us, because he has taken up residence there, there are things that, amen, he um, does for us that I actually have 46 different points. And, of course, we're not going to get through 46 different points in this particular message. But there are at least 46 different things that I have found in Scripture that are actions that the Holy Spirit does and this person that lives inside of us, these are things that he does, and these are things that are benefits to us. These are things that enhance our life. These are things that uh, enhance your Christian uh, walk and uh, help you along the way. Uh, first, uh, John chapter 15, verse 26. We'll start here and we'll look, we'll look at just a few of them. John 15, 26. But when this comforter is come... Whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. Now, as we look at this scripture, we see a couple of things in here that have uh, tremendous benefit to us. First of all, he says, he calls him the Spirit of truth. You see, you're not receiving something that's false. You're not receiving something that's going to deceive you, but you're receiving truth. 
truth. Jesus said, my word is truth. You're receiving the truth. You're going to receive the Spirit of God, which is going to testify of Jesus, the truth. And so consequently, what does what is he going to do? He's going to lead you in the way of truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And the Holy Spirit comes to testify and build that up in our hearts and minds and causes us to know because of the testimony of the Spirit of God with the truth of God leading us, opening the Word of God, opening our understanding so that we know who this Jesus is. Paul says that I might know him. I might know him. And it talks about his sufferings, but that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and of his sufferings. What's he saying? God, I want to know you. Well, what does the Holy Spirit do? He is the one. He's the spirit of truth. And he's the one that testifies of Jesus. He's the one that will lead us to know the Christ. In John chapter 14, verse 26, we find something else that the Word of God teaches us. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you, notice this, teach you all things. Hmm. All things. Then he says, I will bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Very powerful scripture, very powerful action that the Holy Spirit does and a very powerful action that we can be a partaker of because he lives inside of us, because he dwells inside of us. So he says, I'm going to teach you all things. And when he uses this word teach, it, it's talking about learning, teaching, and it's it's a broad application. And so sometimes uh, I wonder, I'll just throw this out to you, even as we're considering this, the Holy Spirit knows everything. He has knowledge. Uh, there are things that he can teach you uh, about maybe your children. He can teach you even about things on your job. I know of people uh, that I have ran into in my life who have uh, went to work on a job and not knew exactly everything that needed to be ha- happen and what how to go about certain things. But they would pray and they would ask the Holy Spirit, teach me, show me, help me to understand what I'm about to do. And amazingly, the Holy Spirit would give them what they needed to accomplish their job. I worked with a man once uh, uh, in the machine shop. We used to build uh, a lot of different uh, parts for the Boeing uh, Air, Air, uh, Airlines and different parts for the planes, uh, not only for refurbishing parts, but also the new parts. And there was a particular man in the shop and it seemed uh, he had tremendous knowledge about how to build all kinds of things. And it was amazing because I learned that his jobs, the ones that he got, they were not the easy jobs. He got the very difficult jobs. And uh, so one day I I stopped him and started talking to him. And uh, I said, you know, you, you, you get these really difficult jobs. And then he, this is what he said to me. He says, you know, he says, I've never been to school. But he says, as a kid, he says, I got filled with the Spirit of God. And when I got filled with the Spirit of God, God gave me the ability to work with metal. And he says, you know what? There just really isn't anything that I can't do. I haven't been to school and I haven't been trained. But the Spirit of God has taught me. 
And, and why is that? It's because he came and resided within him and he deposited himself within him and he gave him knowledge and gave him ability beyond himself. It came from that person that lives inside of him and was amazing because he would only build 10 parts a month. I used to say, wow, 10 parts a month. And he says, yeah, well, he says, I get $10,000 for each parts that I build because they're so intricate and so difficult to build. And so consequently, I get the hard stuff, but I get the easy stuff. It has a lot of money to it. Tremendous testimony of what the Spirit of God would teach him and show him. So he says here, he will teach you all things. He's the teacher of the church. Not only is he the teacher of the Word of God, because the second part of it says, I will bring all things to your remembrance. That's really the remembrance part of it. It's what Jesus has said. It's That's talking about the Word of God. Whenever you're ministering, whenever you are functioning in in the realm of capacity of ministering, the Word of God will always be in your mouth. Why? Because the Spirit of God will bring it to your remembrance. Sometimes you're ministering to people, you say, I don't know what to say. Well, you just slip a little prayer to the Spirit of God and say, listen, help me. Give me what I need to say. Bring a scripture to my mind. Help me in this situation. And it's amazing, absolutely amazing how the Spirit of God can bring to your mind that which is needed for the moment. So listen, that's another benefit of having the Spirit of God dwell within you. Not only does he testify, not only is he truth, uh, but he is uh, uh, one who can teach you all things. I like that, all things. So there's no limitation to it. He can teach you all things, and he can bring things to your remembrance, whatsoever things that he has said to you. Uh, something else that the Spirit of God will do, we find in John chapter 16, verse 13. How be it, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come. Here it again, is the Spirit of truth. It says, he will guide you into all truth. He will guide you into all truth. The Spirit of God is not going to lead you down a tributary and lead you in a direction that is not going to reveal Christ, that is not going to reveal the truthfulness of God. Why is that? Because he's the guide. He's the one that will guide you. In other words, what does a guide do? The guide shows you the way. He literally shows you the way. He's a conductor. He's a teacher. So the great teacher of the church, the Holy Spirit, is going to show you the way in the truth. And uh, I like what uh, First John says, uh, walk in truth. Well, how are you going to walk in truth? It's that the Spirit of God will teach you and lead you and guide you into truth so that you can walk in it. Do we grow in truth? Absolutely we grow in truth. We grow in our understanding. In Second Peter 3, chapter 18, it says, Grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, growing in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ is growing in the Word of God. That's called reading the Word of God. That's called studying the Word of God. Uh, Timothy tells us, study. Amen. Study the Word of God. Rightly dividing the word of truth. That's what study is. Dividing the word of truth. Knowing the truth. Well, the Spirit of God is right there helping you in your study. Helping you in dividing the truth. And, and to coming to the full revelation that God wants you to have of him out of the word of God. So when he says he's going to guide you, he's going to show you the way. Uh, it's talking about also to lead. So he's not only guiding you or, or seemingly well like pointing, go this way. No, he's actually leading you. And when he's leading you, it's really talking about commanding you with official authority. Well, the Holy Spirit has the official authority when it comes to the Word of God. 
He's the spirit of truth. He's going to guide you into the truth. He's not going to speak uh, on his own. He speaks what he hears. That's what he speaks. So he's under submission, uh, amen, to the Godhead, to the Father and the Son. Whatever the Son reveals, uh, that's what he speaks to us. And when he, it says that he's going to uh, not only guide us, he will not speak of himself, but whatever he hears, he's going to speak. And then he says he will show you things to come. That's talking about futuristic things. And so when he says he's going to show you things to come, the word show there, it means to announce in detail. You see, God, the Spirit of God, when he speaks, he gives it to you in detail. You can expect him to give it to you in detail. Uh, he's not obscure. He's not, uh, he's not someone trying to hide something. He's there to reveal. He's there to open up. He's there to open our understanding. And he's there to announce in detail uh, what you need to hear and what you need to uh, be participating in. This is just another, another uh, a tremendous positive thing of the Spirit of God living in your life. A guide, a guide, a tremendous guide, a guide that's going to take you into the truth. He's going to show you things to come. You see, we don't have to become behind in anything concerning the world, concerning what's going on. We as the believers are in step and in tune with the Spirit of God. He will show you things to come. He will guide you into the truth. He will lead you in the way. And he is the mighty Spirit of the living God. Hallelujah. So today we will stop here with this message and we'll say to you, we'll pick up again another time with some more of the actions of the Holy Spirit. The Lord bless you.